Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Screen Talk. I'm Eric Cohn. I'm Ann Thompson. We got a lot to discuss today, and, and we'll conclude with an update on the Emmy situation with our peer, Marcus Jones. But before we get into all of that stuff... Let's start with another awards race, which uh, had an interesting development while you were out last weekend, which was that the Gotham Awards got rid of their budget cap, which means essentially that, uh, you know, this traditionally indie focused award show that we've talked about and and agree has a huge impact on the Oscar race, of course. (laughs) (laughs) I still think so. But now can also be not an indie award show because Barbie and Oppenheimer and, and whatever else can apply to compete alongside anything else that would be competing. So no longer do you, I think it was, it was a $20 million budget cap, something in that. In yeah, I think that it might've been 30, but, but even so it, it it's a, it's I think gone. this is one of the great um, along with the, you know, Twitter and X or whatever. It's it's one of the great brand mistakes that I've seen in a long time. And you can there, a number of people that we know are on their board and and must have sat together and figured out what their finances were and decided that this was the way to stay extant and to stay alive and survive. But I I can't understand how an independent um, entity like the Gothams would throw away what they represent. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And and I'm not not alone. There are many threads on social media uh, along these same same lines. A lot of people in the independent community are horrified by this. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is that this has been an ongoing conversation with the Gotham Awards for many years when the before the budget cap, and before any sort of specific specifications about what qualified a film, there were studio films that got nominated like The Departed. And there was backlash to that because The Departed, even if it's a Scorsese movie and an auteur film was a Warner Brothers movie, it was a big budget movie. So they added language at first that said that films had to be made with an economy of means to give guidance to the nominating committees. So that sort of helped. But then the budget cap you know, obviously, it's an even more specific um, and still very high. Uh, but the um, the indie spirits still have a budget cap, and the indie spirits still represent a, a certain level of of independence. And and I don't I I don't understand why the Gotham's would would throw their their uh, identity away like this. What do they represent? What do they mean? Right. I mean, I think somebody's going to have to to clarify that. I mean, full disclosure, obviously, I was on nominating committees for the Gotham's many years in a, in a row. And I think the process is great in the sense that you have a bunch of people in the room talking about the films that they like and, and voting. So in theory, if that committee for best film, let's say, doesn't want to nominate Barbie because they feel like Barbie's going to win enough Oscars, maybe it doesn't get nominated. Then so what's I don't the know. point? What, yeah. what is, what is the know. point? 
What I, movies I mean, I no, I, I don't know do what they wish they about. had, you know, what movies do they wish they had? You know, I, it, 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 they must have decided that they needed studio uh, tables or they needed yep. some Maybe kind of support, you know, yeah. that they needed to get other people in the room uh, in order to stay alive. There, there's no other explanation but the financial one. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. I mean, the other thing about the Gotham's obviously is that it's usually the first award show film award show of the season. So last year, everything everywhere won. I know we argue all the time, like, does this make a difference? But the truth is, when a movie like that wins, it's the first award it gets. So it, it does at least, you know, sort of launch that. Well, it gets the ball like, rolling, obviously. Right. Uh, in that case, the ball kept rolling for a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see with these changes and the show, you know, what gets nominated and then what actually ends up getting, you know, any sort of benefit from this at the end of the day. Uh, another... Every win is a certain amount of attention, you know, and it, it it's not a bad thing. Um, but it 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 is a um they're small. They're small, and I guess on some level they want to be bigger. <laughs> well, we still got the critics awards and you know, New York Film Critics Circle and LA Film Critics Circle and, and all of that. I mean, that's you know, th- those will have an impact in a way that can sometimes change up the narrative around say international films and things like that. So that you know, those rules haven't changed. Well, first, we've got all the festivals, which is what we're heading into right now. So Eric and I are both getting, you know, inundated with possible screenings and possible um, uh, opportunities uh, to do early uh, interviews and all that sort of thing, which it can be uh, a bit overwhelming. It's a lot. It's a lot. And everybody is like sort of a good good problem to have. And and yeah, it is. And then it, but then at the same time, it's like, you know, on the one hand, you want to see everything early because it makes you feel saner when you get there in the same time. Or a little ahead of the game. Yeah. Yeah. But then once you're on the ground, you, that experience of seeing the film in a festival environment where a, a, an awards narrative can be launched is is always, you know, a really absolutely kind of process. So Maestro dropped its first trailer and we know this is going to a bunch of festivals now starting uh, in venice and then it's going to be a what is it the centerpiece gala at, in at new M- york nyff yeah which makes a lot of sense uh what did you make of that trailer i thought it was a good trailer that was a very good trailer i think what they're doing clearly in the marketing sense is they're turning it away from a biopic about composer conductor uh, leonard bernstein and his, you know the new york philharmonic and all that they're changing changing it into a love story and so carrie mulligan is first is front and center in the advertising and in the trailer um with this um with the the wrong so and there are what does From that the director romance? of star is born right another romance two no he's good director. he's he's a good director uh, a very good director he actually got to direct this his work with actors is is extraordinarily adept but so but we have an interesting situation here where carrie mulligan is playing um a south a woman of south american descent right and Felicia Montenegro, and she's also she was an actress and a philanthropist activist, and and she was um, so so we have a British actress playing her, and then we have um, Bradley Cooper putting on a big nose to play Leonard Bernstein. The quote unquote people Jew are, problem. People are having issues with this, and the family stood up and defended him, which is was good to see. Um, of course, we have to wait and see. I mean, there was a lot of fuss around Nicole Kidman and her nose in the hours, which went away once you saw the film. It it it, it disappeared. Yeah, I mean, a year ago, Netflix was dealing with Ana de Armas's accent as Marilyn Monroe. So, relative to that, you know, one nose 
is is a, is you know somewhat of an improvement from a scandal standpoint. I mean, I hate saying this, but as a Jew, I don't care certainly about that kind of issue. I mean, it's like this this idea that somehow it's like he's this you know Gentile imitating the physical. I mean, that's what he looked like. He looks like Leonard Bernstein, and he sounds like Leonard Bernstein in the trailer. So. For me, this is like I'm pretty sure that once we get to the movie, once it's, you know, separated from photography or a trailer or whatever, once we immerse ourselves in the story, we'll go with it. It'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Although I am very curious to see how the life of this movie unfolds, because Bradley Cooper is not going to be promoting it, even though he could, I suppose, try to do it as the director and not as the actor. He's decided he's not going to Venice. He's not going he's to. He's a SAG member. Stuff. He just can't. He's, and he's like a he really can't. famous one. So, yeah. so he's not going to be out there talking about it. The actors aren't going to be out there talking. So the movie, had, I mean, maybe they can get the family out there to front for it the way that well, they're going to scientists with Oppenheimer. Or we're going to we're going to find that a lot of people are pushing back that it's it's all going to happen later. You know, there's going to be one wave of reviews and seeing the movies at the festivals. That's what everybody decided to do, pretty much. And then when the strikes are resolved, whenever that turns out to be, there will be a real, uh, you know, uh, big, big. Then everybody piles in. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll just be a mess. So speaking of Netflix, we also can talk about May, December now, because I saw that back at Cannes and had to just sort of describe it to you. But now you've had a chance to catch up. It's interesting. I made certain uh, assumptions about it uh, from a distance and from reading the reviews that I did read. And I was I was sort of right. You know, it's a small um, mood piece. It's a character piece. It's it's got lots of interesting layers to it. The actors are very good. Natalie Portman is playing an actress who is going to uh, impersonate, really uh, take on um, this woman who was an older woman who had an affair with a 12 year old. A teacher, Mary, Liter- her, Mary Kay Letourneau, ba- yeah. ba- ba- basically Seattle. based yeah. on her, and so and so this this it's a based on a true story, um, but it's this idea of and you watch Natalie Portman sort of adjust herself as she as the movie m- moves to its conclusion, but it's also about the the guy who's now, you know, 36 years old, the same age as Natalie Portman in the movie. It's revealed. Yeah. Yeah, this um, idea that that he never really got to be an adult because he was sort of forced into this very adult situation at a young age, and now he's sort of this attractive guy. I mean, a, a child. You As mean a, child, a child. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah he never. Yeah, yeah, but he never sort of got got to to go from childhood to adulthood because he became. So, so it's this funny thing where he's like the parent of a teenage child, and he's sort of a young guy himself. And, and you can see because they the, said it at the yeah. graduation, you can see him processing. The idea that he was that age when he became a parent, you know, like he was 18 years old. Yeah. So Charles Melton's very good. Right. I mean, that's a real uh, as 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 the guy. That's a real kind of breakout in a way for that. Well, he's he's definitely a hunk. He's 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 easy on the eyes. Did you enjoy it? I mean, I was involved with it. I was I was very involved with it. I was very curious to see how it resolved itself. There were so many things to to talk about and latch on to yeah. so many issues, so many. And I was I really was fascinated by the good stuff with between Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore. Yeah. But it felt like he he was 
it, it felt like a kind of Chabral noir, you know, with all this moody Savannah, you know, all the the, the yeah. look of it is gorgeous. But he, I felt like he didn't nail it, like he didn't resolve it. He didn't get to the to the to some kind of um, conclusion that made sense. It was he, he he played with the actress. He stuck with the actress. Yeah, I, 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 I see that. I mean, I think it is his most entertaining movie in a long time. And he's he fell down a sort of self-serious hole after I'm not there that it's not perhaps less satisfying. And this is I, I thought this was really fun and, all, and campy in a way, although it, it can, I did not respond did, to it as a campy film. He, he, and no. he doesn't see it that way either. What about when the moment early on where Julianne Moore says we're out of hot dogs and the camera zooms? That was in a good line. Yeah. Getting me. It sets a certain and there's a few moments like that throughout the movie. And there's a scene where, um, you know, the the dad smokes pot with his teen son that I thought was really entertaining. And there's like certain moments where I, I was like, this is not supposed to be just pure drama. And even though it is, a, it's Chabralian, but it's Chabralian with a sense of play, which I, I really appreciated. So I wonder if this will be really successful on Netflix just because it's got great, it's got a great cast. It's a really interesting. Well, it's a good thing. It doesn't, I mean, it it has to have a theatrical release now uh, given the the rules, the the rules for best picture, not just in at the Paris or, or in LA, it has to go to 22 cities. I don't think we're going to feel like this is a a success. It's not going to be boosted by box office success. And meanwhile, I'm we don't glad know. that it doesn't have to be. I mean, it, it needs to be on Netflix. This is going to be a small, a, a small play, I think. And meanwhile, and we I don't know how the know. critics are going to go for it. Yeah, I mean, it was well, it was reasonably well reviewed out of Cannes. But you're right. I mean, once it opens New York Film Festival, it'll be interesting to see what the next wave is like. And and of course, like we were saying with Maestro, we don't know when the strike won. So we don't know when these actors will be able to step out and sort of speak about how amazing it was to do this movie with Todd Haynes and, and kind of prop it up in that sense. So why don't we talk? Do you for think a quick... Natalie Portman has a chance or Julianne Moore in the well, acting? Well, it's, it's fascinating because it's like these two actors who have won before uh, for movies. They're both very good. Like, They're very, very good. But, but, you know, it's like when they won for those movies, it was like everyone was, you know, everyone knew Still Alice and everyone knew Black Swan, like that they were just, they they were on top of the, those, those categories all the way to the end. And in this case, it's like, there's obviously a lot of respect for both of them. So it, it's almost like the more that people talk about the two of them and the great chemistry they have, the more likely they have a chance in different categories, but it also depends on who they're up against and, and how competitive it is because it's, it's a weird movie. So quickly on the strike, um, last week while you were out, I had, I had Kate on the podcast and we were talking about how there was an initial WGA uh, meeting. Well, there's no update on the SAG front, but there was an initial WGA meeting that was like a pre-negotiation meeting that didn't go super well but now but since they're then they're talking yeah so they've had they've they, there's been a new round of proposals and i'm surprised actually that one of them includes a guarantee on the writer's room of, of a certain number you know of writers which i was surprised to see the studios agree to that 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 surprised me um so that's something that the wga got out of this but they're not making much progress on the other fronts that I, as far as I can tell. And there was an interesting individuals. That's the big one. Right. There was an interesting story that uh, in the Hollywood reporter with Ken Ziffer, who's this lawyer who has um, 
weighed in uh, in the past and uh, a very um, senior uh, guy. He's been around Hollywood for a really long time, a veteran, and people respect him. And he was really coming from a kind of uh, studio perspective and saying that the DGA should be a model for uh, what they should be doing. Um, and that hadn't that didn't play very well on the on the writer's side. But um, when you read that, if you read that article and you dig into the the actual details of of some of these negotiations and and what they're trying to achieve, it it does give you a good sense of how complicated it is, how difficult yeah. it is, on a, almost a business affairs kind of contract level. Yeah. It's funny because then you're also hearing about like the spin of all this that now Bob Iger's on every call and Ted Sarandos is on every call. And well, there's this 12 this. people call every week right. and, you know, who's in, like, representing which studio. Yeah. If you're talking every week, where like where is the progress on something like this? Because if there's some breakthrough we would probably know by now. I mean, it just feels like this is such an impact, such a huge gulf between how the streaming business has started to work in recent years and what's being asked for. So I don't know. I, I would love to see this resolved quickly. Well, obviously. one of the things that Ziffrin said was that um, none of the studio models are profitable right now and only Netflix is making money. Yeah. He said that right yeah. out straight out. Well, that's also the the problem with that. I mean, Sony may be in a different place because they don't have a they don't have a streamer, so they could be making money. But the the this is sort of the issue with the AMPTP as a as a concept, right? That that they're negotiating on behalf of big businesses that don't necessarily operate the same way, so their demands no, are hardly. And so, how do you resolve? And it's that? the and it's the studios with with networks that are under most duress in terms of getting back to work. They're, they're losing their late night TV. They're losing. Uh, the fall TV shows that are coming up, you know, there's a lot at stake now. The timing is starting to become uh, an incentive for them to resolve this. Yeah. Though I did not expect the writers to be the ones to resume negotiations first, if you think about it. I mean, I, I was oh, like, they need the to get back into production. They, they, so they need to get the scripts written. They need, they need to get the, the first the scripts before they can shoot. They have to get that stuff right. written. No, there is a greater, a higher priority. It just seemed like, well, when the actors stopped, that's when the industry really notices. And certainly they did. And I wonder if like the SAG strike is partly what catalyzed the WGA talks to start faster. Because it's like, well, if we can figure out WGA, then we can address the actors because we really need to get this whole thing resolved. The rest that's of right. the world noticed this when the actors went on strike. They didn't notice the WGA in the same way. So I guess we'll see what happens as we head into the festivals. And, uh, you know, people will or will not be promoting their work. Well, and there is there is some interesting cool. stuff with the with the waivers when they're yeah. not supposed to be called waivers, I know, but but the promotion ones. Yeah. So some of the films actually got the promotion ones. Yeah. And and the question is whether they will do them, whether yeah, they I mean, would actors be, are does the Ferrari go ahead and Adam yeah. Driver does interviews? I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think Adam Driver like is going to like those anyway. visuals. I know. And, <laughs> never been in, in super no. happy about doing I mean, will he walk the carpet in Venice and just show his face or, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how these people decide yeah. to play the the uh play these things out and then you one know, other like complication viola davis didn't want to participate right. she just, just yeah. like it's not the right time and of right. course she, she has a luxury to do that because she's not she doesn't need the paycheck the way some actors do but the the other complication that obviously this past week uh that was thrown into this was that 
waivers for productions now um, cannot apply to USWGA projects. So suddenly a bunch of people who were thinking, oh, we, we can get a waiver and go back to work because we're not affiliated with the AMPTP. Nope, you're screwed. So that that also is... is also, there's this interesting... Timing. There's this interesting wrinkle where um, independent distributors who are not signatory to the AMPTP are the ones who will be favored in terms of picking up uh, movies that are available in Toronto, say, at the market. Yep. Yeah, and, I don't know how you control so, that. <laughs> so Neon and A24 are suddenly getting a huge advantage over some, you know, Netflix or Sony or their competitors. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know how enforceable any of that's going to be because it's not like a sales agent cares what the union is requiring or a distributor well they have to they have to use the current uh contract contract they have to, yeah. they have to adapt it so um the which the other companies can't do right right but they could make they could make a, a, a silent agreement behind the scenes or that when the thing shake. is resolved yep. then you're gonna make the deal That's hollywood baby question yeah well okay. to be continued let's it's gonna be fascinating on. Emmy's talk time, but Anne, it's always fun to talk through these things and I'm looking forward to seeing what next week brings. Okay, see you later. Alligator. All right, Anne, who do we have? We are bringing on, as a special guest today, our awards editor, Marcus Jones, who has been working and toiling away. He's very good, by the way, at Emmy predictions. He he does well on Gold Derby. He wins. He he puts everyone <laughs> else to shame. Um, so I um, respect his his acumen. So we should listen. Now they're in the middle of Emmy voting right now, even though the actual awards <laughs> aren't going to be until January. So we're going to get into all of this uh, because of the strikes and so on. How can you have Emmy awards with no actors? Can't happen. So, Marcus, we're going to go over some of the big categories. Uh, where, What are the slam dunks and what are the areas where you feel there's some room for wriggle room? Yeah, first, thanks for having me, guys. Nice to be back. Uh, one, uh, the drama categories are very easy to predict because Succession decided to end the show this TV season, which completely eclipsed everything, uh, sadly. And so Better Call Saul, which has gotten a lot of Emmy nominations, but not a lot of Emmy love. In fact, no awards uh, is really at a loss with uh, the succession of it all. But yeah, I'd say that would take series lead actor Jeremy Strong won the first time. And if you watch the show, he was very key to the ending. Uh, lead actress Sarah Snook, who plays Shivroy, actually moved up a category this year. She had competed twice for supporting actress. Um but I think lost both times to Julia Garner for Ozark. Um, and so she is really competitive now this year, though Melanie Linsky is a delight. And so if people are still up on Yellow Jackets, there's a chance she could win. Um, supporting actor Matthew McFadden won before. He'll probably win again. Again, very key to succession ending. And supporting actress uh, Jennifer Coolidge stayed in this category uh, when White Lotus moved over to the drama categories. And uh, if you saw season two, like she's again, big very moment. key. Can't take that away from her. And she's been winning yeah. other things along the yeah. way. Yeah, I mean, for all the success, Golden Globes and so forth, any category, Jennifer Coolidge would win. If Jennifer Coolidge was nominated for Outstanding Guest or Drama Series, she would win that category. <laughs> like uh, she's as sure about 
Uh, but those are drama categories. Um, comedy is very complicated. I'd say series itself, there's four front runners that you could each make a case for winning. So that's it's not the bear. It's not just the bear, which shouldn't be no, in comedy. Well, here's a drama. Come on. <laughs> that's a too I long a conversation to get into now. But the bear, <laughs> yes, that's the biggest new show. Abbott Elementary is also coming off very strong from a breakout first season. Um, but they won a lot already. And Ted Lasso has won uh twice before again nobody likes it anymore right that's uh (laughs) it was supposedly not as good as the the last time Uh, critics definitely said that but do not underestimate the fans there are still people who loved this uh supposedly final season and it if it's a final season which they've been very coy about to very smart to do this then that is definitely uh incentive to vote for it. Um, but the last one, the biggest surprise is Jury Duty, which is Amazon Freebie show. If you haven't seen it yet, it is kind of the show of the summer. I mean, I think it came out so late in el- eligibility that it was definitely a surprise to see it get nominated. But now that it is nominated, I feel like that is the one show that's getting a lot of word of mouth. I mean, and did you see this? You can tell me. Jury yeah. duty? Oh, my God. It's so cool. I, I want mean, to. It's on it's, my list. What I mean, a I'm, great concept for a show. I'm in I'm in pre Telluride, too. Oh, I know. But also, the, no, a lot of <laughs> it's people. Quick. Were, it was yeah. a discovery, though. I mean, it was a real like Amazon freebie had not yeah. had a show break out until. So it was kind of cool that that happened. So. Well, I loved all the stories about how they cast the show, yeah. which is fascinating. So I'm curious to see it. Yeah. And I think if you think about it, I mean, just in general conversations, the TV Academy is so big. And so it is really like if you're talking to your friends, you kind of get the idea of what. Well, that, also, Emmy. it's always yeah. a popularity contest. So yeah. ultimately, it comes down to who saw most, who, how many people saw each of these shows. Right. Which is why Succession will win over Yellow Jackets. Right. Because more people saw Succession. Not necessarily, but yes, more TV Academy members. That's what we're talking about. (laughs) That's what we're talking about. So and I would have to assume that fewer of them saw jury duty for all the reasons you've been citing. You know, it's just the kind of show I like. (laughs) If I like it, it's probably not a great sign for the the broader consensus. (laughs) Though give yourself some credit. I'd say it is accessible, it being Amazon Freebie. The free is true. You anyone can watch it. Um, But two, I think in general, if you think it's been a quiet summer TV season. And so if there is a show that people have really given a chance during voting and getting into that recency bias, it would probably be jury duty. Um, But the way that factors in is that I think for best supporting actor in a comedy series, although Brett Goldstein has won twice now, I think uh in that respect, Ted Lasso has slowed down a little bit. And so I could see James Marsden winning for jury duty because wow. it kind of is one. He's a known entity, even though the show has a lot of fun with how well known he is. Um, but two, like you can't see an actor doing that again. I feel like if jury duty were to come back, I don't know if they could find another uh, I don't know if they could play the same prank. Of I've been thinking about it. You'd have actor. to go international or something. Yeah, it's, it's basically the Sasha Baron Cohen problem, right? He can't go undercover when people recognize him. Right. So he has to wait a while and, and all of that. But <laughs> what yeah. about the bear in supporting? Yeah. Um. Oh, so Evan Moss is nominated. Does he have a chance? 
We'll talk about him next year. He's nominated for season one. I don't oh, think cool. he garnered a lot of fans in season one. But it's interesting because people see both seasons. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's yeah. certainly to its benefit. But I think uh, ultimately lead actor in a comedy series that is completely the bears. Uh, Bill Hader for Jeremy. Barry and Jason Sudeikis for Ted Lasso have won before. But uh, Jeremy Allen White gotta be. Uh, gotta be. definitely already won kind of every award he could get this year. Um, lead actress in a comedy series. Interesting. With Jean Smart out of the race, Hacks season three did not finish shooting and she had to pause for a second. But that uh, opening it up. So uh, I'd say the three front runners are Quinta Brunson, who won last year for writing Abbott Elementary, but is the star of the show. Um, Jenna Ortega, who plays Wednesday on Wednesday. Wednesday Lovely. Night. Love her. Yeah. Um, the breakout star of this most recent TV season. And then lastly, who is one before Rachel Brosnahan for Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. That is a show that TV Academy members definitely love. Um, got an and, amazing number of nominations. Yeah. In the final season, the people who stuck around said it was really worth it. Um, it's gotten a lot of... Acclaim. So I definitely think those are the three that have a shot. Um, the Emmys don't often award uh, the actress who created her own show. If you think about it, really, the only recent ones are Tina Fey uh, for 30 Rock and Phoebe Waller-Bridge for Fleabag. And those are characters that are very different from Janine Teagues, who Quinta Brunson plays. Um, and so... I think there's an opening for Quinta Brunson to win um, because there still is a lot of support around that. And she'd be only the second uh, black actress to ever have won the category. Um, I believe the actress who played uh, the wife on the Jeffersons was the first. And that was in the early Long 1980s. ago and far away. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it would be really historic if she were to win. But I think Rachel and Jenna are really competitive. Um, and Jenna would be like uh, the way Zend Zendaya won for uh, Euphoria. I think the Emmy's kind of crowning a new kind of global That's a superstar. very, very good show. I loved right. Wednesday. Also, yeah. Also, um, yeah, I mean, and, and now she's going to be in the new ad. Um, what's it called? The the sequel to Beetlejuice. So right. Perfect. She's yeah. just like the goth girl of the moment. But the, also, with Abbott Elementary, it feels like that show. Rider, yeah. mm. I was thinking like Abbott Elementary is the kind of show that feels like it's just getting going, even though it's several right. in now. And like she's going to win all these categories over time. And that's probably how some people will think and maybe not vote for her. That would be my my sort of. And she's won some things before. It's cur I mean, the, don't that's never stopped the Emmys from repeating themselves. You know, they're well known for going back to the well over and over and over. <laughs> well, over. again, this... we want new news. You know, we want new people to be rewarded, but it's not how it works usually. And you'll enjoy this. This leads to the last category in that supporting actress in a comedy. Uh, Shirley Ralph uh, was the breakout star of the last uh, Emmys that happened last September. Uh, she had an amazing speech. She even sang. I think she's good to win, though. Uh, Io Edabiri, uh from The Bear. I'd like to definitely see that. competitive. Um, yeah. As is her co-star Janelle James. I don't think um, the Ted Lasso actresses are as competitive. Um, yeah, I really think it's between Abbott Elementary and Io on The Bear. Um, so that's comedy. Uh, limited series, less nominees. 
easier to talk about. Don't think Obi-Wan's going to win. That was a huge, terrible. huge surprise. Terrible. How did that even terrible. get nominated? How could that get nominated? Exactly. <laughs> I watched like, the whole thing. I saw how bad yeah. it was. Yeah. Okay. I bailed uh, on uh, Baba Fett, but I watched all of uh, Obi-Wan. So <laughs> well, good on you. I mean, we'll no, see. That's well, why enough it, people watched it they to like nominate it. it. Um, but uh, Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, I think that is going to win acting more than series. I think people are going to want to split the vote a little bit. We saw this happen I think he recently. wins. He wins yeah. acting. We saw this happen recently with um, Queen's Gambit and Mare V. Sound being nominated the same year. They really uh, split the votes up. I think Queen's Gambit ended up winning limited series, but Mare V. Sound won a lot of the acting categories. And so I think that's the case here. I think Evan Peters would win a uh, lead actor in a limited or anthology series. I think Nisi Nash Betts would win a uh, supporting actress in a limited or anthology series. Um, but as far as the category itself, I'd say Beef would be the front runner. That was a real uh, kind of late comer uh, big show. It got 13 nominations, which was in the lead. Same with Dahmer. Uh, those were the two limited series that got the most nominations. And so I could see it having the edge. And either way, Netflix is really killing Happy. it right now. Yeah. Um, though Daisy Jones, again, sort of a populist pick, I think, uh, TV Academy members really love that, even if critics weren't as hot on it. And critics were totally hot on uh, Fleischman is in trouble. And I imagine if you guys saw I that, loved you that enjoyed show. it as well. Um, but I think that one's for us a little more than it is for. I get uh, that. I get that. I doubt voters. that very many people saw it, actually. Uh, um, though I feeling it they, was high in the ratings, was it? They really kept their eyes on Hulu because voters. Uh, like, I think almost every limited series acting category has a Welcome to Chippendales uh, star in it. And that was a big surprise because that premiered so early, it premiered before the last Emmys had even happened. And so people really weren't expecting uh, it to make it into all the categories. Um, but yeah, I think the fun thing to really point out, and this isn't necessarily in the category, all the categories I cover is that this was an amazing year for outstanding television movie. Um, the three that have been really competitive are Fire Island and uh, that was fun. Prey, which are both on Hulu. Prey, overpraised, in my view. <laughs> Interesting. People I already forgot it. about Prey, honestly. People there was a loved moment it, though. It was like suddenly, everyone was talking about it for like a week, and then they moved Exactly on. right. I agree. I think it, that's the one that got the most, because that's in writing and directing, along with uh, series and then the biggest one would probably be uh, Weird, the Al Yankovic story starring Daniel Radcliffe Daniel Radcliffe is nominated and lead actor um, and it's also I believe nominated for writing um, so is Fire Island uh, and I think that on Roku channel which shout out to them they were also nominated in this category last year you can see them kind of building up some Emmy hype using this category. Uh, they won a lot of awards in the winter, and so I think they may have this again. But yeah, lead actress, very competitive. Not 100% sure who would win, but I think it's a good year for Ali Wong um, or even Riley Keough for Daisy Jones. And yeah, I mentioned supporting actress, supporting actor. 
would probably be Paul Walter Hauser for Blackbird, which was the big surprise that it didn't get nominated for series. That was the one people thought was a shoe in. Um, but That's the Dennis Lehane. Yes. Yeah. Um, but Paul Walter Hauser has still been collecting a ton of awards for that one. Um, though it is exciting to see the other people that got nominated, like Young Mazzino uh, from Beef was another real breakout star this TV season. But I think that about covers um, the comedy, drama, and limited series slash TV movie slash anthology series categories. What's your, is, what's your sense? Are they going to go for a lot of these same old, same old, or are they going to try to reward some new people? Is there any evidence of a shift in that pattern of behavior? I mean, drama is going to be same old, same old. I don't really see a new person breaking into the drama categories, but uh, I think comedy is going to be a real split vote. Like I said, there's four shows that are really competitive. And so I think uh, voters may want to uh, recognize all four in different categories. And then limited series, I think it is mostly uh, Dahmer and Beef, but uh, it's full of surprises. I could see it going many different places. And so that would be the one where it would uh, be most shocking to kind of see who wins. I mean, we already saw with nominations, like we just said with uh, Obi-Wan getting in there. Well, <laughs> it, should be, it should be interesting. I mean, I, once this is all... Andor? Oh, gosh. Oh, I mean, it is in the drama categories. And I will say the one that I didn't mention, and I will say for um, lead actor in a drama series... Pedro Pascal, he really had such an amazing year. He became the most nominated Latino actor uh, ever. You haven't mentioned right. The Last of Us. Right. So The Last of Us is the one newcomer that is pretty competitive, but I think that's the one that's really going to clean up in the craft categories. But, you know... What about if, Pedro? It's because the Dahmer guy is going to beat him. Peter's Well, no, he's in drama, so it would oh, be... See. Why? Jeremy All right, let's back succession. up on that. Oh, so, so strong becomes the person who's won before. Right. Pedro beat him. You would okay. be cool. It would be cool. I would enjoy it. But the other thing, too, and it's same with Melanie Linsky. So Pedro C Pascal nominated for guest actor in a comedy for hosting SNL. Um, he was the episode that had the great Lisa from Temecula sketch. Um, if you haven't watched that, Definitely it look it up on YouTube. Um, but same Melanie Linsky is nominated as a guest actress on The Last of Us. And so I think that is the category that she will probably win. Uh, and that's why it's probably Sarah Snook's year. She was good. She was good. Jeremy Strong is obviously deserving. I'm not trying to take it away from him. I'm just, <laughs> I, I, like totally, to, but gonna cry I like to see things change that. up, you know? I mean, he's devoted to his craft, God knows. Almost yeah. went into the Hudson for it. He, I mean, he <laughs> wanted an Oscar nomination last year, too. Yeah. Apparently, that's a little tougher to crack. So, oh, completely. Um, so, what do you think of this January date? For the Emmys. Um, what impact is it going to have on our uh, other uh, right before Sundance? <laughs> right. It's it's something. So one, I'll say it's great that they kept the voting on track because this really is supposed to be representative of the 2022 to 2023 TV season. Um, and so you really want people to vote while it's fresh in their minds. We're still before 
uh, a fall season, even though we're probably like, we don't know what the fall season of TV is going to look like, but it's good that we're wrapping up voting before then. But as far as the January ceremony, it's on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which I think is good because the Emmy cycle starts all the way at the beginning of March. And so to wrap it up before you have to kind of do it all over again uh, is best case scenario, given sort of the hurdle that has been navigating around the strikes. But, and I think this is very funny, uh, creative arts Emmys are the ceremony that takes two nights is the same weekend as Golden Globes. And so talent is going to be split between that. And then even more, uh, the that show, the Creative Arts Emmys telecast, is airing the same night on FXX as Critics' Choice Awards, which would be airing live on CW. So oh. overlap again. And then Primetime Emmys airing live the Monday after the critics. So how many people actually watch those creative arts things? I don't think. I, that and I know that the ratings for the critics choice awards are pretty, pretty small. Yeah. They're and, growing, but, but they're to, small. For it to be small then to uh, the creative arts Emmys to come in and eat up on that a little <laughs> bit is very interesting because before, I mean, the reasons why Emmys are in September is they want to influence these winter awards. They want their winners to impact who the Golden Globes choose, who uh, so they've the sort of choice awards they've choose. sort of thrown that away, right? So they don't have the same influence uh, this year because they'll be happening after Globes and Critics right. Choice Awards. But which there's are just the going to be we, we already know. I mean, assuming that the that the strikes do get resolved at some point, yeah, maybe as late as October or November. Now, I mean, it's just not looking good right this second. Yeah. Um, assuming they get resolved, the, there's going to be such a pileup, such right. a, an enormous uh, backlog. What's I'm the word? Log jam. Get show. <laughs> a mess. It's um. It'll definitely cluster. Be... Clusterfuck. Yeah. Is that the word? Okay. It's there gonna. You go. <laughs> and it's already. Just... It's already going to be big, and 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 I, I think you're I, I think you're right. I think the Emmys themselves are just going to lose. Uh, they're not going to get the kind of attention they would ordinarily ordinarily get. Yeah, and if you think about it, already the next year's Emmys, the twenty twenty four Emmys, uh, which the cycle has already started. So season two of the Bear is already competing for that. Uh, it's going to be thin. I mean. What shows are really premiering uh, this fall uh, into this winter? You mean Maybe you're not we'll excited for the, the uh, Squid Game reality series on Netflix? Oh, Lord. Fills the void between the next season. Yeah. I was looking I, this up. It's it's kind of a dead zone. It's really yeah. weird. And people so, are going to start feeling the effects. Like viewers are going to start feeling the effects of the strike in that sense, too. You know, when it when it's like the good, there's just nothing on that that's new that they want to see. So, well, to be continued in January. For sure. <laughs> Thank you, Marcus. Thanks for being Pleasure here. Pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me, guys. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.